episode 130 of This Week in Marketing Show, also known as your Tomb Show. I'm your host, Sajid Islam, and today I'll be going over the notable news and updates in the digital marketing space from the week of October 10th, 2022. So first off, a little bit update on Facebook, retiring yet one more thing. Uh, this time around, it's the Instant Articles. Originally launched in 2015, uh, Instant Articles were designed to provide publishers with more engaging, fast-loading way to present their articles on Facebook, helping to maximize reader engagement within the app. Now, Axios is reporting that Facebook is going to sunset this as well. So this is going to become a long string of uh, products that Facebook is retiring. And back in 2015, when internet was slow, that we didn't have 5G, it made more sense to uh, move into instant articles because it would load um, quickly. Uh, similarly, Google had AMP, acceler accelerated mobile pages. That's kind of also fading away because the internet has like really, especially mobile internet has really sped up uh, with the introduction of 5G. So anyway, let's move on to the next update. Uh, now, in this case, uh, TikTok is copying Instagram. I guess this is uh, TikTok's way of showing middle finger to Instagram because Instagram has been copying TikTok for a while. And, you know, if you've been following this show for a while, you know, I've been talking about these platforms are copying each other. So basically uh, what TikTok did is uh, TikTok has added a photo mode, which is similar to what Instagram is. So now you're going to have carousel images, things like that. It's going to be interesting to see how much traction uh, TikTok gets. But I guess in our case, you know, I think we are going to end up getting back into the TikTok game because now it's a photo app as well. And we've already published photos on Instagram, so might as well publish it on uh, TikTok. Next up, uh, YouTube launches at handles for ch uh, channels. Uh, so it's moving on. Um, we, it, it's moving in line with all the other, you know, social media platforms at Handles basically means like, for example, on Instagram, we are at MKT, the at symbol at MKT, A-N-D, grow. Um, similarly, uh, we had this handles on all our Twitter. Our Twitter handle is also at 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 MKT, A-N-D, G-R-O-W. So now on YouTube, we can also do that. Now, this is different uh, for channel names. Uh, basically, what YouTube are... Uh, YouTube is saying is that you know at handle name or at YouTube creators are basically a new unique identifier for uh, um, all channels and every channel will get one and this is a way for people to tag you and mention you in your channel rather than copying your whole channel URL things like that it's just creating one step closer so now if you're here listening to this and you don't you didn't claim your at handle go ahead and go ahead and do that that would be good to do Good for you to do. Uh, next up, Google Data Studio is now Looker Studio. Google launched Data Studio back in 2016 as part of their enterprise Google Analytics 360 suite. And Data Studio is something that we, Google uh, advertisers, uh, performance marketeer, analytics pro, we use that to do a lot of data reporting, things like that. Uh, this is similar, just a name change and the product functionality really isn't changing much. Uh, from now on, you should, if you hear the word Looker Studio, you know, um, we are referring to the old data studio. Google has been going into a lot of rebranding exercise lately to, I guess, streamline products and to make it look sound more uh, appealing now. I do not like the name Looker Studio. It would have been a better way to do a reporting studio or something like that, but that's just me. Uh, data Studio kind of had a connotation, and the kids for data science people might be getting a little bit um, 
iffy about using it, but Looker Studio, I mean, that's just like a reporting studio sounds better, right? Uh, anyway, uh, they also have a professional version, a paid version of Looker Studio called Looker Studio Pro. Uh, the Pro version will get enterprise management feature, team collaboration capabilities, and new SLAs like service level agreements. But I would say, Google is saying that this is just the first release and company has developed a lot of roadmap capabilities, starting with Dataplex integration, data lineage and metadata visibility, blah, 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 which is mainly geared towards enterprise customers. Small to medium-sized businesses should be using Looker Studio to do um, reporting. Like for one great example is to do a side-by-side -side comparative reporting on say universal analytics, which is going over next year versus GA4. So now you can see the data and see how much actually the difference is because there will be a difference between the data from GA3, which is universal analytics and GA4, just because the way it collects the data. So now you have, and we use it all the time in our business, and I, which is Data Studio, which is now Looker Studio. So folks, that's it. Uh, let's jump into the next update. The next update is Google swaps title tags with site names for mobile homepage results. And Google is saying it's doing it uh, in order to make it easier for users to identify specific websites in search results. So basically what they're saying is that, for example, if your site title, if you have a site title, let's just say, you know, awesome SEO or awesome uh, red shoes, and your domain name is just say Samantha Shoes on mobile, it's going to show up as samanthashoes.com, not awesome red shoes, even though that's your stuff. You know, that's the thing you've said it in the title tag. Now, having said that, Google is definitely recommending you to use uh let me uh the website structure data type and specify the name property, and probably Google is gonna start using that from there. So what this all boils down to and, you know, is me telling you that, you know, you should be using structured data. If you're following our podcast, you know, I've covered structured data, you know, Google product structured data, Google this structured data, review structured data, image structured data. It's only because Google, the name of the game nowadays in, in to be part of the SEO games is to use structured data. Okay, uh, and in your structured data, basically use website structured data, which is what Google refer, uh, recommends you to do. Then set the title tag, then set the heading tag, and then use the open graph uh, protocol metadata, uh, basically, which is the OG colon site name. Um, I am going to put the, or I already put the link to the official announcement there and the search central documentation as well, um, but why Google is saying you recommend the structured data is because if you don't have the structured data, Google is going to start using the domain name. Uh, and if you have this uh, structured data and you set this name property, then Google is going to pick it up from there. Now, it has been a hit and miss uh, in terms of certain you know, websites like for HubSpot. It's showing the title tags uh, for other smaller sites. It's showing the site domain name. But go ahead and set the... Um, what I would say is just website structured data. Next up, uh, Google is renaming Webmaster Guideline to Search Essentials, or they already did. So what they're saying is the Webmaster Guideline was had this negative connotations. People would think, oh, this doesn't apply to me because it's for webmasters. And back in the day when they had it, it was basically there was a webmaster who'd make all the changes to your website. 
Now, Google is saying, you know, a lot of creative people, developers and business owners are doing it on their own. And we want to become a more welcoming uh, name, which is why they're calling it Search Essentials. Now, having said that, they are also made some changes. Oh, so the, on the documentation side, they made some changes and you should definitely check it out. If you are in the SEO game is number, there's a section called technical requirements to help people understand how to publish content in a format that Google can index and access. Google has updated their guidance for spam policies to help website owners avoid creating content that isn't helpful for people using Google search. Uh, Google explained that most of the content in the spam policies had already existed in Google search central in the quality guidelines. Uh, Google did make a few additions to provide clearer guidance and concrete examples for issues like deceptive behavior, link spam and online harassment and scam and fraud. And thirdly, they have a key best practice, which is Google publishing uh, guidance uh, that people can consider when creating sites to create content that serves people and help a site uh, be more easily found through Google search. Now, these are all helpful. I'm putting the links to the guidelines in our show notes so you have to check it out because you know it is impossible for me to uh, go over all this uh, tiny the all these details in uh, I guess uh, how would I say in detail in depth uh, on this podcast the podcast the goal of this podcast is to bring you on all the things that are happening all the changes that are happening so that now you can say hey this applies to me let me go dig dig up and dig deeper on this Next up, we have Google has announced Search Central Live Conference. This is going to be held in uh, Singapore in Nove on November 24th. Uh, registration is going to open on November 15th. Now, it's a free event. And now Google is saying, hey, just start, you know, this is Google is saying, just don't start booking the plane tickets because this is just one of many we're going to do. Uh, stay tuned, follow our uh, Search Central page or the Twitter feed to figure out when the next one is going to be. Uh, you're going to also be able to f apply for these things. And this is a good way to meet the Googlers, especially the uh, rub shoulders with the names that I cover uh, on the show. Gary Elias. Uh, I do not know if John Mueller is going to make it to Singapore or not, but you know, Again, if there are any uh, updates from this conference, we're going to obviously cover it in our podcast or our show. Next up, we have Microsoft being launched uh, and launches this thing called Image Creator. It's basically an MI AI image generator. What this does is, you know, and there are like, and I've seen other uh, websites that have done this. They use this technology, OpenAI technology called DALI, D-A-L-L-E-I, I believe. Let me check my notes. Yeah, oh no, D-A-L-L-E-2, DALI-2 image generator. Basically, what you do is, say you're creating, uh, let me use my example here. Say you are saying you want a picture of Shiba Onu as an astronaut, um, that would go, and you do not have that. You could type it in the you know, image, image creator, and it's going to spit out this image for you. Like, obviously, there are some uh, things, uh, like, you know, Microsoft says they're going to, like, you know, um, check for abusive behavior, all this other stuff, spam, things like that. But basically the concept here is this, and you type in Shiba Inu as an astronaut and it's gonna go ahead and spit out an image for Shiba Inu in an astronaut stuff. Now, this is definitely in beta. Uh, so you have to apply and wait in line to get access. But what the good thing you need to know is that there will soon be a day where you don't have to go to Canva to generate images and put all those things. For a person like me, this is huge. 
right? And that's why I'm creating this. Uh, that's why I'm covering this because this is huge. As this technology becomes mainstream, uh, we are going to all use it. And basically, we don't have to rely on go to Canva, start creating images from scratch. But how good it is remains to be seen. Let's just say that. Next up, uh, what's, so what's Google's stance on the use of AI images? Because we know Google doesn't like auto-generated text and auto-generated content. But Google's uh, Gary Mueller and Lizzie Sassman uh, discussed this uh, in episode 48 of the Search of the Record podcast. And what this says, you know, auto-generated images are fine. Right? They can live with that. Uh, even though they said, you know, the auto-generated text or content is a no-no, auto-generated images are fine. Uh, so keep that in mind. However, the next update is that, uh, let, I actually mixed it up, but basically the next update is that Google has updated the image structured metadata, right? Uh, the name of the game again, is, like I said earlier, is that it's an image structured metadata or structured, structured data, structured metadata, depending on how you look at it, it's all the same thing. But Google is saying that, you know, we are adding three new data properties with the image object type uh, to add support for credit, copyright, and image creator. So now if you generate an image through say DALI2 or image creator or any other third party uh, website, you want to use credit, copyright, and image creator information in the structured data because so that people can find it out easily and Google can um, uh, index it properly as well. Okay, so that's one. And the next update I have for this week is also is that Google has given advice on how to write good alt text. Can you see the theme over here? How I'm covering this because I'm just I didn't make it up. I saw, you know, Microsoft launched image creator. Then Google talked about, you know, AI images in the podcast. Then I also saw that they are uh, talking about image metadata. And now they're also giving out an advice on good alt text. And these are all, they all go together hand in hand. Again, it's in the, it was discussed in the same podcast, podcast number 48 or episode number 48 in the search of the podcast search of the record podcast where Jordan uh, Mueller and Lizzie Sussman gave what is a good alt text, right? First of all, what is alt text? Alt text is basically, uh, if the purpose is to describe, so it's for people who are, uh, who are, who are using, who are, let's just say blind uh, and who are unable to see the image, but you know, the they're reading it and the machine is gonna, the computer or the device is going to tell them, oh, there is an image and the image is about such and such things. So it's a way to, uh, uh, to it's a way to provide audience with screen readers, a uh, way to understand the images in the in the blog, in the web page, things like that. And it's huge. So what they're saying, Gary is saying, or John is saying is that from his point of view, his recommendation to provide context for the image as well as uh, for the image. So for example, if you have a picture of a beach, don't just be like, oh, this is a photo of a beach, but rather like this is the beach before the chemical spill happened. And um, maybe you provide another image that says, oh, uh, this is the beach with uh, when the chemical spill happened, or maybe this is when after the cleanup. So you kind of provide a little bit of, description around this right uh, where you know you could say and you could go a little bit deeper and just say you know with damages being shown on the left hand corner so all text should be written like this way say imagine you are on the phone and you're describing that image 
to someone over the phone? How would you describe it? Like you don't have to write like in a war and peace, but you want to be descriptive enough so that the person on the other hand can actually get an idea of what this looks like. So, hey, imagine this was a beach and they, can, they did the cleanup. And now imagine there are like spots of um, black spots everywhere or there are like gaps and things like that. And that just makes it uh, superb and helps Google to understand more. And then your images show up on image search. Next up is Google has given, uh, provided uh, three new examples on how to write product reviews. Remember, Google is cracking down on product reviews and the way they're, dis they're doing it is they're breaking it down by, number one, uh, expert staff member of a merchant that provide that guys shoppers between competing products. The other example is a blogger that provides independent opinion of products. And number three, an editorial staff member at a news or other publishing site. So why Google is doing is because Google wants you to use the product review in the right way uh, so that, you know, Google understands, you know, what type of site it is and when they should surface your site. Now, Google is saying providing user feedback and user, you know, uh, let me see how they say this here. A merchant's product page with user reviews is not a card, it's not considered a product review page in this context. That's what Alan Kent of Google said recently. Uh, and Google also recently clarified, remember structured data may help Google identify prod, product review type content. Why this is important? For many reasons. Number one is if you're a merchant, you want to write product review and you want comparison because you want it to show up. So if someone is searching between say iPhone 13 and iPhone 12, you kind of dash surfaces up. If you are like in a portal uh, that talks about iPhone 13 and iPhone 12, you want to talk in a different way. And if you're a news portal, you want to talk in different ways so that Google understands and rank you accordingly. Uh, we are almost towards the end. There was a lot of product updates this week, which is why uh, it's taking long. So now let's move on. Google still does not use the HTML language attribute. Uh, Google's John Mueller confirmed it, um, just says we don't use HTML language uh, attribute. Uh, language attribute is used to, you know, if you have a multi-language, multilingual site, uh, then, or if you have different language versions, then you, people usually use a language attribute to signal, hey, this isn't written in Turkish, this is written in English. Google doesn't use that. Google uses the reflang. Uh, we have covered reflang in a previous podcast. Uh, basically, um, you know, that's the thing Google uses or they will just uh, detect the language type and they will just use that language type. Now, if you are just only on English language, and that's the primary language of your website, of your business, then you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but if you are, if a multilingual site, you want to use Reflang. The other point this week is Google's John Miller this week said, you know, SEO is a long game. Do not think, you know, uh, SEO is quick and easy. You do it once, it's done. SEO is a long game. If you think it's quick and easy it's a, or it's a hit job, then SEO is dead for you. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it might be very, it might be, it's might be impossible to outrank high authority websites, uh, but over time you will get there, right? Imagine you being a new new soda company coming in and trying to uh, take over Coca-Cola, right? It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a lot of hard work, a lot of careful planning and a lot of, you know, uh, work on your part to kind of, you know, take over Coca-Cola or Pepsi-Cola. So similarly, uh, just think you, if you 
do a couple of things, put a couple of keywords and do all these things and you think you're going to rank on the top of the uh, Google first page, you're wrong. That's what good John Miller is saying. And John Miller had an advice for you if you want to get your content indexed quickly is basically you have to ping Google uh, with your sitemap, right? Uh, that's what John Miller is saying. It's not guaranteed that your content will be ranked, but this will definitely get Google's attention. This is because Google uh, um, doesn't look at it. Uh, do, oh, sorry. It doesn't guarantee indexing, but it will definitely get Google uh, attention. So the way to ping sitemap is to you basically type in the URL google.com slash ping question mark sitemap equals to the URL of your sitemap. That's how you do it. It's in our show notes page. You should check it out. So if you have, um, if you have, uh, how would I say, let me think. If you have pages that are getting updated, you could actually update the sitemap and send it to Google, or you could actually go log into Google Search Console and put in the URL of the page. Either or should work. Uh, which method you choose is up to you. Um, but I mean, you know, if you change, let's say, ten pages, rather than going through all the ten pages one at a time, you could just you know update the sitemap, which should get automatically updated, and then ping Google and then get it indexed. Next up, uh, Google Ads has launched Content Suitability Center. Content Suitability Center is mainly for people running YouTube and Google Display Key Network. Uh, this is, uh, you know, uh, previously it used to be done in the multiple segregated sections of Google Ads and, you know, it was hard. So what is Content Suitability Center? Uh, you can select uh, three inventory modes. Uh, it's basically catered to your preference for sensitive themes such as profanity, sexual sensitiveness, and violence. So basically, this when you go to create YouTube ads or Google Display ads, you could say, you know, I don't want my ad to be shown on websites that are sexually suggestive or has profanity or violence. Like you could just categorize it, and basically, it helps you to narrow down your inventory mode and you could say hey i want i'm very cautious about my brand i don't want my brand brands ad to show up on sites that are talking about things and i don't want to be associated with it so content suitability center helps you do that rather than doing it for google displays ads in one place with youtube ads in another place and forgetting and doing things with the other Next up, and the last update of this week is Google Ads will remove some content targeting in YouTube conversion campaigns starting in 2023. What's going on? What's going to happen is that place right now, place we can target YouTube channels, specific video, video lineups, URLs, apps, or other collections. Google is removing that. This hyper-targeting is what made YouTube, YouTube amazing and people loved it so much and now Google is yanking it away from us in 2023. So there's nothing we can really do, but I think this is way of Google, I guess, I don't know, I guess they're trying to make more money because now I used to sell people and you know, that, you know, hey, you can have your ad run in front of other people's, uh, your competitor's channel. Google is removing it. Uh, I do not know what the issue is because I think the other day, Instagram was saying we could do this. Uh, Instagram is looking to do this as well. So I don't know if Instagram is getting into the game, Google is pulling out of the game. I hope Google changes their mind because this is something huge. Uh, this made YouTube amazing because, but you know, it could also go into a, you know, downward spiral. 
for example, I would run an, my ad in front of your video and you would run in your ad in front of my video and we would go, it's a, like a circular thing, it's an infinite loop. So in a way it's good, uh, but I don't still like it. I wish they had left it the way it was. Okay, folks, that's it for this week in marketing. Now you know everything to be in the know. If you'd like to read more, make sure you follow the show notes page where you will find some of the links that I've mentioned. Once again, this is your host, Ajit Islam, signing off. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye.